You are listening to The Nardwar, the human serviette radio show on CITR, F102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And we are going to be joined in a few moments by Steve of... Well, hello, are you there, Steve? Yeah, man. Who are you, Steve Ignorant? Who are you for the people out there in radio land? Uh, well, I'm a pretty um, uh, tired uh, bloke at the moment. Uh, how would people know you, Steve? Like, who are you? Well, I'm uh, I'm, the, I'm the usual bloke you see who's at the um, leaning up against the bar, and um, people say, "Who are you?" And I go, "I'm Steve Ignorant." You are Steve Ignorant playing crass songs on July the twenty seventh in Montreal. You're playing seventy seven Montreal Paranoid Visions. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, nuts, isn't it? You're coming. Yeah, you're coming to Canada, but not Vancouver, Canada, because we are live here now with Steve Ignorant on CITR. If anybody has any questions for Steve, it is 604-822-604-822-2487, UBC CITR. But have you ever come to Vancouver? Have you ever played Vancouver at all? No, I've, I think I've been to Montreal and Toronto, but I, no, I've not been to Vancouver. No, I was meant to, but I was we was meant to be doing this last week, but something happened. Why are you tired, Steve? You've been playing a lot of gigs, like punk rock bowling. Was a, was that a success? Punk rock bowling? Did that contribute to your tiredness? No, what's contri- contributed to my tiredness is today I've been putting trying to put up bookshelves in uh, very old walls made of plasterboard. So you drill holes in it, and then the raw plugs go through, and the screw. Yeah, it's uh, done. It's been a, it's um, you know DIY. It means don't uh, don't involve yourself. Ah, boom! And, and we are speaking to Steve Ignorant. Can I say Steve of Crass? Can I say Steve of Crass? Yeah, you just said it. You said it twice. Yeah, uh, but you didn't say it. But what? The, or paranoid visions? Like how, how do you say like Steve? Like you are built differently. How are you built in Montreal? Uh, Steve Ignorant, Paranoid Visions. Paranoid Visions. So Steve yeah. of Paranoid Visions and Kratz coming to 77 Montreal on July the 27th. What was punk rock bowling like? I saw some videos and there was quite a pit. There were quite a few slam dancers. Yeah, whatever slam dances. Um, I, I just think what it is, it's the people get caught up in the moment. You know, as um, we're doing songs that ain't been heard for what? Ever. Five years, maybe longer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and uh, you know, we start doing those old those old numbers, and and um, the adrenaline gets in there, and, and people have a good time. You know, I mean, it was it was a bit wild, but uh, no one got injured, no one was hurting each other. It was you know, it's all very good natured. And then you're coming to Montreal on July the twenty seventh to play seventy seven Montreal. Have you played Montreal before? No, no, I've never played Montreal before. No. Have you? No. Have you? Well, I think you've played Canada before, like Toronto, right? Yeah, I played. Yeah, I played uh, uh, Toronto and uh, uh, Montreal before. Yeah, but uh, never, never. Yeah. For merchandise regarding crass, were there really crass alarm clocks? Were there crass alarm clocks? Uh, well, I think if you go on the internet, it's probably all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, as, as, you know, I've seen uh, the, you can get training bras and um, underpants with the crest symbol on. So it wouldn't surprise wouldn't surprise me if you can get toilet paper with a crest symbol on, which would be pretty ironic. That's amazing. Like you've mentioned, like crass clocks, crass tea towers, uh, undergarments. That is incredible. 
yeah, well, just, just go to show, you know, that, um, you know, Punk is Dead, that song that Crass wrote. Yeah, Punk is Dead, mate. You know, if you can go, uh, if, look, if you want a training bra with a Crass symbol on it, do it yourself. You know, if you want toilet paper with a Crass symbol on it, do it yourself. You know, otherwise it's, um, you know, otherwise Punk is Dead. How otherwise, wipe your backside with it. How popular were Crass? Like, you sold 1.5 million records. You're, like, up there with, like, ACDC, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. At one point, we was out selling it. Not that we was ever into a competition, but um, as far as we knew, uh, we was, at one point, we were selling more records than ACDC. Yeah. Yeah. Very and, strange. And you were playing youth clubs. Like, ACDC was playing big stadiums, but you were playing youth clubs. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. Um, but, you know, um, we were playing very small places, uh, but people still come to me, you know, um, 30 years later saying that they remember those gigs. Steve of Crass playing on July the 27th at 77 Montreal. And again, anybody has any questions for Steve, it is 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR to ask Steve some questions going way back to the early days. What were... Dead Man's Shadow, like. Oh, they were fantastic. I'll tell you what, they was at a gig, right? Uh, I was at this gig in a... Um, it used to be a squat uh, in London. It was called Central Iberico. Um, it was totally DIY before the scene arrived, you know. I mean, we're talking, like, late 70s, early um, early 80s. Um, and I was standing on the stairs uh, talking to a friend of mine, and uh, all of a sudden this band was playing, and I went, sorry, mate, I've got to stop you talking, and I turned around, went in and watched the band. I couldn't leave them. Dead Man Shadow, yeah. Uh, weren't around for a long time, but I wish they'd reform. Do you have their records on your shelves? Like, what is on your shelf? Are there a lot no, of records? No, no I, don't, I don't have Dead Man Shadow. I, I don't know if they actually recorded. Uh, they might have done one single. They might have, undone, might have done one 45. Yeah, everyone can start Googling it, like, crazy um i don't know and what's on my shelves at the moment um well michael jackson burt Bacharach, jody mitchell uh the temptations uh dino ross and supremes loads uh, you know yeah you name it uh not a lot of punk what about tighten up volume two scar oh oh now don't get me started no i've not i've got i've uh i've got a friend who's a dj and he um in there's a place called great yarmouth every year they do a thing called scarmouth uh, I've got a friend who's a DJ who works there, and uh, he's he's um, done me a, um, a couple of, of CDs of um, very old Scar stuff, you know, things like Simmerip and all that on it, you know, it's like, uh, you know, don't get me started. Well, what <laughs> was your interaction, like Crass and Scar? Like, did you ever see the specials or Bad Manners? What was your interaction with those type of bands? No, we didn't have any interaction. We were um, crash doing, out, you know, crash doing the crash thing and uh, the specials doing the specials thing. Um, I've uh, met up with uh, Neville Staples uh, um, in uh, the town nearest to us, and we talk about the old days, you know. But uh, there wasn't interaction. We we sort of looked at each other and respected each other, um, but it was it, it, we were worlds apart, you know, we were worlds apart. But now we're older and wiser, and we can sort of get together and have a, have a beer and all that sort of stuff. Who was the girl, Steve, that told you to see the clash? Who was the girl? Oh, she was just a nutcase. Um, um, I was working in a hospital at the time um, and uh, putting bandages on people. Um, well, actually, plaster Paris. And she just came in, you know, and, and uh, with a broken wrist. 
And, uh, and I said, what's with the weird clothes? And she went, ain't you heard of punk rock? And I went, no, what's that? And she went, you know, no. Uh, and uh, she said, um, oh, there's a band playing um, on Friday down at the Colston Hall in Bristol. Uh, why don't you come down? I went, are you going to be there? And she went, yeah. And I went, oh, all right, then I'll see you there. And yeah, uh, I, actually, I never saw her. I never met her. Um, I only saw her once. But thanks, for, thanks to her, she started it. She started everything, but I was thinking the person that hired you at the hospital must have started everything inadvertently. Was it hard to get a gig at the hospital? You were working at the hospital? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it was really simple. I mean, this is back in 1970. Oh, my God, 1976. Um, and jobs were still quite easy to come by if you knew where to get them. I mean, I walked in the hospital and I said, look, you know, I want a job as a porter, you know, moving dead bodies around and all that sort of stuff. And I went, oh, no, we've got nothing like that, but, um, you know, what are you like seeing blood? And I went, I don't know. I've never seen a lot. And they said, well, you can be a plaster technician. I went, oh, that sounds fantastic. And and I got a job. Brilliant. (laughs) Amazing. Steve, ignorant of crass, live on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show, 604-822-247, 604-UBC-CITR. You also had a bit of Bristol in you. You also had a bit of Bristol in you. What about Bristol bands? Like the Cortinas, Nick Shepard, did you ever see them? No, never saw them, heard of them. Um, I dare say, you know, at some point we'll bump into each other. I mean, I, I you know, obviously Chaos UK, um, I, I met a lot. Um and there's a, a young band. I can't for the life of me. I can't remember what they're called. But there's a young band from Bristol. What about uh, the really... What about the pigs or imagination? No, nah, imagination. What you mean, body talk? Imagination. Yes. Really. Yes. You love them. Uh, love us... Oh, mate, lovers rock. Body talk, body talk. That one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're fantastic. Oh, mate. Oh, no, no. Imagination. They're oh, they're way up top of my list, mate. Definitely. How did you get into imagination? Well, there was this girl called Rachel um, Ashworth, who was the sister of um, Zilla, um, who's in Bella Ballet. And I was going out with her at the time, and she introduced me to Michael Jackson off the wall. Um, and she introduced me to Lover's Rock um, and Imagination. And, we, yeah, we quite often, I used to stay around her house, and quite often um, that record would go on, and um, there would be the lights turned down and, you know, Cigarettes were smoked and beers were drunk and the rest is up to your imagination. Oh, excuse the pun. We are speaking to Steve Ignorant of Crass and the sound of Crass. Could have Penny Rambo started Crass in the 60s? Could he have started punk in the 60s? Like, it wasn't his first band. It wasn't Penny's first band. Could he have started punk? Did it take you to start punk? Like, to have a punk sound? Uh, yeah, I think it did. Yeah, I mean, Penny Rambo um, believes that he started uh, skinheads uh, and he believes he started the mod movement because he had short hair and uh, he wore mod clothes at one time. Um, but he also had a motorbike, so he was the first Hills Angel you know, or the first rocker in, in England. So I dare say that he's, you know, he, at some point it will say he was the first, he invented punk rock, but no, he didn't. I did. Uh- <laughs> Was he the inspiration? Oh, you helped kill it. You helped kill punk rock, right? Did Crass kill punk I... rock? Did Crass kill punk rock? Like, there's never, oh, really, yeah. there's never really been another punk band since Crass, right? Well, no. I mean, we crucified it, really, didn't we? You know, it was, um, you know, everyone's waiting for a resurrection. It will never happen, just like the Bible. Was Penny Ramble the inspiration for John Lennon's Nowhere Man? Because there's that clip on the internet about Penny meeting John Lennon. But was he actually the inspiration for that song, Nowhere Man? 
No, I took to tell the truth though. I think uh, um, Nowhere Man was written about um, oh, what's his name, uh, Donovan. Right. So I think that's yeah. I think that's who they wrote it about. But um, that's very fitting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I, oh no, hang on. No, Nowhere Man. No, um, I think maybe for Penny Rambo, it should be Fool on the Hill. <laughs> Boom. What about the other bands that comprised Crass? Like there was the Friends of Winston Jasper or something, Pete Wright's band? Oh, the Friends of Wensdale Jasper. Yeah, the Friends of Wensleydale Jasper. Uh, Wensleydale is a place in England and they make cheese. Uh, I'd know nothing more about that band and they were a folk band. Bloody dreadful. Um, and they um, they never got further than Garden Gate. What there's you... no there's no records or anything like that of them, so don't you know go searching for it. So how many members of Crass were musical? Like Penny had bands in the past. How many members were musical? Look, let's get let's get one thing straight. You know, Penny Rambo and the name band do not go together. What you get is an experience, which is usually tortuous. Uh, I'm not putting it down. Um, you know, fair play to the bloke, he does stuff. He's always been into um, improvisation, jazz, and um, um, spur-of-the-moment stuff, um, and it's not for me. Um, he, uh, they had this so-called... It wasn't a band, it was an art thing called Exit, um, and it was just... It's it's just noise, you know I mean? I've, um, actually, there's a CD out of, of, of um, Exit playing. Um, Pam gave me a copy. I've not played it. I don't... Um, no, they're not bands. They're more sort of um, art, you know, situation art things. Do you think punk rock would have happened without Dr. Feelgood and Eddie and Hot Rods? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, because before that, you had a bloke called Benjamin Britten and Peter Pierce, you know, um, you know, classical musicians. Um, yeah, you, you had people like the Small Faces. Um, yeah, of course it would have happened. Yeah. Did you like Feel Good, though? Like, a lot of people love Dr. Feel Good and Enter the Hot Rods. Were you into yeah, them? Yeah, I, I was, you know, but um, I was talking uh, talking to a mate of mine yesterday, Matt, Matt Morley, you know. Uh, yesterday I was talking to him about it. And, um, you know, but really, Dr. Doctor and the Feel Goods, they were like pub, what we call pub bands. Um, you'd go to the pub and you'd see them playing. I mean, the thing about, you know, Dr. and the Feel Goods, like um, Lee Brillo was so frightening. You know, and so was uh, uh, Wilco Johnson. You know, I mean, they sort of riveted you. Uh, you know, as soon as you walked in, you you didn't dare move. You thought they were going to beat you up. You know, I've, I've seen them a few times down in you know down in South End and and Canvey Island and that. Um, you know, uh, um, but it's the same as um, 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 Lou Lewis and I can't remember what they're called now. But um, you know, uh, um, and even in during the blockheads, you know, they were going around for years before punk started. You know, but as soon as punk started, they were in. You know, it's, it was the it was the, the the vibe they gave off and all that. Brilliant, brilliant band, Doctor and Feelgoods, brilliant. And we're speaking here live to Steve Ignorant of Crass Paranoid Visions, who is going to be playing on July the twenty seventh in Montreal, seventy seven Montreal. You're playing hopefully Vancouver sometime. You're going to play Vancouver sometime. Oh yeah, hopefully yeah yeah. And yeah, I don't know when. What I was really fascinated by was Ziggy Stardust. The kids was just crass. Crass yeah. taking their name from a David Bowie song. I had no idea. Yeah, I know. People don't. I know. People don't. 
Did David, oh, did David Bowie ever have any comment on Crass? Did he know that he created Crass, at least the name, the band? Um, no, I don't think so. You know, um, I hope he at some. I hope so at some point he heard of us, but uh, no, I never heard anything. But it's just one of those things, like ships in the night. You know, um, you know, it was. Uh, um, you know, yeah, I don't know. But boy, George's manager heard about Crass. Oh, did he? I was curious. Boy, George's manager heard about you yeah. guys. How did, oh, did he hear? He? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I must be famous then. <laughs> <laughs> but Jimmy Percy heard about you for sure, and he wanted oh. to and he wanted to market your revolution, Percy's yeah. package. Yeah, actually, fair play to um, uh, to Jimmy Percy. It wasn't him who said it. Um, we were invited down by um, I think it was EMI, and they said, "Come down. You know, you could be part of Percy's package." It was this idea that Jimmy Percy had of uh, doing this thing with all different bands. And um, we were like, we weren't going to go for it. You know, we were high, at the height of crass, you know, all sort of black clothes and attitude. And we went in there and, you know, straight into this, like, um, you know, proper executive uh, um, office, a big desk with a big bunch of flowers on it and this big bloke sitting behind it in a very smart suit, you know, and uh, Morton Neil and... and um, and uh, he said, oh, anybody want a drink? I went, yeah, I want not want a beer, mate. And he clicked his fingers, click, click. And this bloke went and got me a beer. And he went, now, I can market your revolution. At which point we went, <laughs> keep going, mate. We're taping you. <laughs> um, but the tape, uh, we had a little cassette tape and it ran out. Jimmy had quite an army behind him. That's amazing that he had so many people on his team. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, Jim was... Um, um, I think Jim got caught up by it in here. And I mean, poor, poor old Jim, you know, I think all he wanted to do was, um, was to do the best he could, you know, but, um, it overtook him. He, he, obviously, as you, you know, the old story, everybody knows it. Um, he had real problems with the right wing, um, skinheads, well, not skinheads, but boneheads in, in this country. Um, and it, you know, in the end it burnt him out. And you also did a tribute song in Crass to Jimmy Percy, Hurry Up Gary, The Parsons Farted. Yeah, that was about Gary Bushel and Tony Parsons. They were, um, so they were two journalists who wrote for Sounds, I think, and uh, New Musical Express. And they really ripped us to shreds, so we just got one back at them. Steve, ignorant of Crass, what about activism? Do you remember spraying any graffiti? Stop the city! Did you throw any smoke bombs? I didn't throw smoke bombs. What I did was um, I threw. Um, uh, um, I emptied out. We we got some milk cartons and uh, filled them up with red paint and just threw them all over the place. Uh, we remember doing that. Um, activism. Uh, we sort of got involved, um, but uh, it ended up like for me it was like oh you'd go to something like stop the city. Um, and the, the the most difficult thing was not to be arrested. Uh, once you were arrested, um, you 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 know you're on the, that hit list, uh, so you couldn't go to next year. So you had to sort of try and stay under the radar. But people knew Crass were involved in activism. You actually had contact with a skinhead punk soldier. He gave you the inside information for how does it feel. Uh, no, that was a sailor. Um, he was working. He, he was in the Royal Navy. Um, and he was a he was a right wing skinhead. Well, he was a right wing supporter. Um, and he wrote to me saying what a bunch of um, 
Um, the word begins with W and ends with S. Uh, I won't say it live. Uh, and I wrote back and said, well, look, I've replied to you. Now you'd be brave enough to reply to me. And uh, and then he totally changed his tune. And we met up with him. And uh, he was he went out to the Falklands um, and told us the stories, you know. And, um, um, and yeah, that's where, the, you know, that's where the song comes from. You know, I mean, he'd, he'd actually seen action, you know, and, and he'd seen friends of his diet. So we, we didn't take the, we didn't make fun of it. Um, you know, it's, you, you can't, you know, it's a very serious business. Um, and I'd, I'd love to meet up with a bloke again, you know. Were there a lot of punks in the military? Like during the um, Falkland War, etc.? Um, I don't know. I, th- I think, you know, uh, the Falklands War is a very strange thing because it was the first time since the Second World War that, that really, had, you know, the, um, England involving, in, you know, England as a nation um, had, been, had been to war. Um so I think a lot of people, I mean, there was, there was Crass and there was, uh, I think Elvis Costello did a, a, a song called Shipbuilding or something like that. Was it Elvis Costello? I can't remember. Um, a couple of bands did some songs, you know, but um, it was very strange because not a lot of people actually wrote songs about that that thing. And uh, we did, you know, and I remember feeling very exposed because um, you knew that, you, you know, um, I mean, the worst thing in the world was that we were doing a song called Sheep Farming in the Falklands. And I hate that song. I think it's dreadful. I didn't write it, um, but, you know, I never liked it. Uh, we were doing it one night, and then it, it came out of the news that, that people, you know, um, Argentinians and uh, English people had died, and suddenly it was real. It wasn't fun anymore. Um, this, It was war, you know, and, and people were being killed and injured and, and bits missing. Um, yeah, very, very, very rough time, and uh, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people quite knew what to do about it. Steve Ignorant, did you have a hard time remembering all the lyrics? Because you look at the crass lyrics and they're incredible. Like, did you have a hard, how did you remember the lyrics? Yeah, I think it's called brainwashing. I'm not sure, you know, but I I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Because one crass song is like an Oasis album, you know, the amount of lyrics in it. But yeah, I I still remember to them this day, you know, some... Um, I have a thing called um, Sleep Tourette's, you know, I, um, I wake up in the middle of the night swearing and uh, Yona, my wife, will go, what are, you, what are you swearing about? And I'm like, oh, something happened 30, 40 years ago. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll be quoting crash lyrics in my sleep. It's, well, uh, yeah. And When did you remember the lyrics? Was it at Dollhouse when you were practicing? Did you practice so much? Do you remember the lyrics or did you instantly remember the lyrics? Uh, this was curious about that. No, um, partly. I mean, we used to rehearse a lot, you know, every day almost. But then, you know, we'd come to the studio um, because in those days, um, uh, studio time was cheaper at night. So we used to go in about seven in the evening uh, and we'd come out at seven in the morning um, and we'd work constantly through the night. Um, and I can remember just like being asleep on my feet, you know, um, I mean, feeding the 5,000 we did in one night. You know, recorded and mixed it. Um, and I remember just being dead on my feet, you know, and I'll never forget that. Steve, ignorant, I was curious. The Thatcher Gate tape, people thought they were actual KGB tapes. Like the KGB actually <laughs> wanted to recruit you. And you went to visit them and they went under the pretense of being a literary mag. How did that happen? <laughs> no. They didn't want to recruit us, and no, it wasn't that at all. What it was that um, we did this tape, 
and uh, we sent it to, I can't remember, we sent it to somewhere in Europe and oh, six months later, a little snippet appeared in the Washington Post or something. Um, and then all of a sudden it blew up, you know. Um, and it was like, oh, is this a KGB tape? And uh, um, some journalist got in touch with us from the Observer in England and said, I was you in it. And we went, uh, what's us? And he, and he went, it's you, that tape. And we went, oh, you better come over for a cup of tea, mate. And he came over anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we admitted it. And, and then the, um, the Russians sent over some journalists and the Americans sent over some journalists in a hotel in London. Um, but the, the Russians were in one room and the Americans were in the other. So um, we had to do this interview on the same day. So we were going from one room to the other. And uh, we got fed up with running up and down the corridor. So we went, look, for Christ's sake, why don't we all just sit in the same room? You know, plus the Russians have bought vodka. Um, and of course, we were taking, you know, we were taking advantage of that. And uh, we got the Americans drinking the vodka. And um, and then the, the Russians and the Americans started talking together and, and um, they forgot all about us. So we, we just ended up going down the pub. And you solved world peace. Well, we could have done it. I mean, better than, better than Sylvester Stallone in Rocky and Dolph Lundgren. You know what I mean? So, you know. <laughs> Steve, ignorant of Christ, did Margaret Thatcher ever, ever actually hear How Does It Feel? Um, I think so. no. I think she heard of it, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if her um, advisers um, quoted some of the lyrics to it, because um, I know that when her papers became public, um, that was like about three years ago. Um, um, she, you know, it, it was in there that she knew of us. Um, and uh, uh, I remember when um, I think it was a, there was a politician called Tam, Tam Dalia when he said, as the as the right honourable woman, when she was still alive, as the, as the right honourable woman listened to the latest record of How Does It Feel, um, we were sent a, uh, a circular um, bit of paper from the House of the Parliament um, that on no account should any member of the Tory party um, or the Conservative Party have any dealings whatsoever with any person or persons pertaining to be a member of a band known as Crass. So she knew about us, the cow. Did any of your friends ever vote for Margaret Thatcher or admit to voting for Margaret Thatcher? And did you ever confront them? Yeah, there was one bloke, yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't a punk or anything like that, but um, he went, oh, I voted Tory. I went, what, you know, what the bloody hell should you do that for? And he went, um, well, because, uh, you know, I can buy my own house now because what, what the Tory um, um, government did was um, sold off a lot of, um, what would you call it over in in, uh, in Canada? Here we call them council houses. I think I don't know what you'd call them over there. You know, houses that are um, that are, um, um, historical uh, so, importance. Uh, like, was it? Uh, no, no. It's like you know, the, the government. You, you, you basically you pay the government rent. You know, uh, they're council houses. Um, I think in in, um, in America they call them projects, you know, um, utility housing or something like that. Um, but um, the Tory government um, sold a lot of, you know, said you can buy your own house. And that's what a lot of people did. Um, so, yeah, and so a lot, that's how they won the vote and got in. And we're speaking here live to Steve Ignorant of Crass and Paranoid Visions, who are going to be playing on July the 27th, 77 Montreal. They're going to be playing that festival in Montreal. But Steve is live on the Nardwar, the Human Surfeit radio show here at CITR, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. If you, Roger, want to phone in and ask Steve a question, and Steve, I was curious... The MI5, 
the MI5, they have a dossier yeah. on you. Did they film gigs? What is in the dossier? Can you request that through Freedom of Information Acts? Uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, um, I think I think you can. I can't be bothered, but um, I, I don't think MI Five came to the gigs. But I know that um, there was a lot of undercover police there. You could always tell them, you know, because you get these blokes turn up a bit scruffy, and the, the further you went down, you looked at their trousers and they weren't so scruffy, and then the shoes are very nicely polished. You could always tell them. Um, and plus, our phone was tapped. We knew that um, it wasn't only us. It was bands like Conflict, Poison Girls, um, all of them. You know, the Cravats. Everyone was being tapped at that time. You know, you've got to remember, um, and certainly, you know, with, with a, um, a band called Stag 17 uh, from Belfast, you know, who came over and, and um, you know, because the troubles in Ireland were going on at the time, um, the government were really, really paranoid, you know, so everyone was under surveillance, you know. So it, it weren't just crass, but, you know, I'm very proud to say, you know, that, um, yeah, there was an, actually a file, you know. Why do you think I'll get stopped every time I go through an airport? <laughs> oh, Mr Williams? <laughs> yeah, that's me. Come in this room. Oh, for Christ's sake. Right, yep, there you go, yep. Well, how thorough were they? I mean, for instance, I mentioned about did they film gigs? Because I know the MC, well, David, the well, MC5, right. the, the CIA or the FBI filmed their gigs. Thank God they filmed their gigs because they use it in the MC, MC5 documentary. I was wondering, there are so few crass-filmed gigs. You could use the MI5 footage if there is any. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'd love to if there, if there's any footage, you know, I'd love to see it. But I'm, I, you know, um, I, you know, I've not heard of any, you know. I mean, um, and M, you know, how thorough were the were the, uh, you know, were MI5, you know, where they they've seen the outside and the inside of Steve Ignorant with rubber gloves on. Pete from Small Wonder Records, he once called you to let you know that the Vice Squad was coming over, but it actually wasn't the band Vice Squad. It was actually the police. Did that happen? Yeah, it was the police. Yeah, they came round. Yeah, some some uh, some guy who's, I don't know, he's 15, 12, 15 years old, and he bought um, a Christ Valley Asylum, and uh, his mum heard it, and uh, um, and she phoned the police. And they came round, you know, and they checked. Yeah, they went for our record collection. It was all classical music and jazz, you know. It was all things like Miles Davis and Shostakovich and Chopin. Yeah, and those were. Oh, I bet you, I bet you won't find any Cliff Richards in here. No, you won't, mate. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they came round, but nothing happened, you know. I mean, they. they uh, I think what they were trying to do with some was treason. Um, which was still, I think that law still stands that um, if you commit treason uh, against the state, you can be locked up for life. Um, but it's never going to, you know, it was never going to, it was just a joke. You know, we were just a bunch of, of young people doing records, you know, what are they going to do? Bang us up for that. No chance. Steve, ignorant of crass, did having no locks at Dowhouse ever cause a problem? Well, yeah, you get you get nuisances coming in, you know, so often. But you know, you, um, you know, get me on the wrong night, and um, I'm going to sling you out. How much? So, how, how much nudity was there on the grounds of Dalhouse? Well, it depended how cold it was. You know, on a cold day, there's not a lot. You know, um, things get very small. Uh, but on a hot day, yeah, there was a lot of um, yeah, there was a lot of flesh being exposed. Yes, what yeah, a- we uh, <laughs> we know each other intimately. What about bands camping in the garden? Like, what bands camped in the garden they knew of? 
Oh, uh, well, I don't know about bands camping in the garden. I mean, but bands used to come over. It, it wasn't, I mean, a lot people from all over the world would come over, like Italians. And uh, I mean, one time I went to go to the toilet in the morning and uh, there was a queue of, um, of uh, Belgians uh, with their little bathroom bags waiting to come in there. And behind them was a queue of Italians. Um, and there was about 40 people. You know, all camping in the garden. It was just, you know, it was bizarre. Great, you know, really bizarre. Um, yeah, fond memories. What else was created at Dollhouse? Like, there was a lot of music, but what about art? Like, that's why I find it really interesting. There are many films of Crass. Was were there films created at Dollhouse of Crass? No. No, um, that wasn't what we were about. Um, Crash was about doing it. It was a spur of the moment. You did the gig and you did it. Uh, you also have to remember that in those days, we're talking 90, you know, there was no internet. Um, there was no mobile phones. Uh, if you had a video camera, it was the size of a tank um, and you had to have a huge battery as well to carry it around with. Um, <clears throat> and cameras were sort of, um, you know, the insta-click it um, things. So, no, that's why there's not a lot of films of, of Crass about it. It just weren't done. People who came to Crass gigs weren't doing it to, to record it or anything like that. They were going for the spur of the moment, you know, and that's, that was the beauty of Crass gigs, that we would turn up in a, in a small hut in the middle of a mountain, you know, on the side of a mountain in Wales, um, and we'd play to, I don't know, 200 people, and that would be it, you know, and that's why people remember it with such fond memories. Steve, ignorant of Crass, which stores refused to sell Crass? Oh, that would be uh, HMV, um, Cabaret Smiths, and um, oh, I can't remember, they've, they've all sort of closed down now, but yeah, a lot of record stores. Yeah, a rough, lot of them. Rough, rough yeah. trade, though, they helped you out, like your records were under the counter? Um, yeah, I mean, Rough Trade were great, you know, because they've always been a bit sort of anarchisty. Um, fair play to them, you know. They, they um, uh, Rough Trade had taken on Sleaford Mods, you know, to distribute them, so, and they've always been like that, you know. And fair play to Rough Trade, they've always been there as dis- distributors. Um, you mentioned yeah, the Sleaford Mods. Is there anybody at Rough Trade nowadays that was back in the crass days, the same people? Are they there? Well, I think uh, I think Jeff Travis is still around. I think I don't know, but um, it's been so long. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, I, I, you know I really can't remember. I yeah, I, don't, I, I really can't remember. What jingles did John Loader record before Crass? Oh, blimey, I don't know. But the weird thing is that, uh, and I didn't know this till um, it was too late. But uh, Woody Woodmansey you know, drummer for David Bowie, used to work at Southern as well, with John Loder. Amazing connection. Oh, I know, and I didn't didn't fucking know. Do you know what I mean? It's like bonkers. Was it hard to borrow money from the Poison Girls? Because you borrowed some money from the Poison Girls. No, they had loads of it, so we borrowed it and we paid it back. Simple as that. We was all mates, you know. Um, I think we'd done some sort of scam with someone else, I can't remember. Yeah, it's all a bit sort of dark and seedy, but that's the way we worked in those days. You know, you borrowed it, you beg, borrow and steal. V, did. the lead singer, V, of the Poison Girls, she was quite a bit older, but she looked so cool. What were they like? What are Poison Girls like, Steve of Crass? Uh, um, look, um, vice versa um, from Poison Girls was one of the most wonderful people 
you could ever have had the fortune to meet. Um, and I miss her dreadfully. Uh, and I remember, um, you know, you got to, Christ, back in 1980-something, 1981 maybe, I was in Birmingham. We were playing a gig in Birmingham and um, the Poison Girls were on. And this bloke came and went, blimey, Steve, she's a bit old to be doing this. And I went, what are you going to be doing? You're 40, you know, and I'm 60 now. Um, and the last time I met her, she was riddled with uh, rheumatism. But um, what, a, what a woman. I mean, the song she wrote about, you know, about being a single mother um, and the problems that that brought um, and, you know, bringing up kids. And, you know, I mean, I just I would really advise people to to listen to Poison Girls, you know, because um, she had a voice like Eartha Kitt. Um, she was just fantastic, right? You know, I have such fond memories of that band. They were, you know, absolutely untouchable. Um, and that's why, you know, Poison, uh, um, Poison Girls, uh, when Paranoid Visions play, you know, with me in, in Canada, yeah, there's going to be a tribute to Vi and uh, Poison Girls. And again, if you want to check Steve Ignorant of Paranoid Visions and Crass out, July the 27th, he will be playing, Steve will be playing 77 Montreal. And are you, Steve, kind of responsible for zines? Are Crass responsible for zines? Like, you didn't talk to mainstream press. You gave a lot of money to zines. Like, do you remember giving money to zines? Which zines benefited from Crass? Oh, all of them. You know, I mean, we weren't interested in, in talking to um, the established, you know, media or the music papers because what you'd do, you'd, they'd come over and do an interview um, and, then, you know, you'd open the paper and they were totally misquoted or they'd take you out of context. Whereas with um, fanzines, you know, they'd come over and they'd be just like, you know, it, the, and the fanzine would be four bits of paper, four bits of paper stapled together, you know, done by, by a kid who was like maybe 15 years old doing it, borrowing his... You know, I don't think your younger members will not understand what this is, but, you know, um, printing on a Gestetner machine or, you know, photocopied or Xeroxed, you know. Um, and that's what we supported, you know. It was it was about do-it-yourself, you know, and use the use the, the, the facilities you've got. Um, but you so actually gave, mo- you gave money to the fanzines. Do you remember some of the fanzines that you gave money to, like Toxic Graffiti or Subvert? Of course. Yeah, what can yeah. Say- yeah. Yeah, of course, Toxic Graffiti, uh, Kill Your Pet Puppy, um, all of them, you know, uh, um, blimey, there were so many, you know, um, uh, what's the one that um, Gaz worked for, Suspect Device, all that sort of stuff, you know, I mean, and some of them are still going, you know, um, uh, slowly but surely, yeah, we gave money, any, anybody was worthy of it, yeah, of course we would, you know, we, we're making money from gigs, what are we going to do with it, spend it? You know, piss up the wall with beer. No, we weren't. No, we gave we gave the money to the people who mattered, and the people who mattered were people who try and do something. And we're speaking to Steve Ignorant of Paranoid Visions and Crass playing July the 27th in Montreal. But Steve is live via the internet, Skype from London. Oh, actually, where are you right now? You aren't in London, are you? Where are you right no, now? No, no, I'm in a place called Norwich. And, and- um, if you look at if you look at a map of England, there's a round bit on the right-hand side, and that's where I am. Steve ignorant, but Steve can talk to you. 604-822-247, 604-UBC-CITR. If you want to talk and ask a question of Steve ignorant, of crass and paranoid visions, but crass, Steve. Crass always gave a lot of food out at gigs. Soup. Did you have a favorite type of soup? 
Uh, no, we didn't give soup out. Uh, what we used to do is take our own sandwiches and, and uh, flasks of tea. And when we turned up there, we didn't have roadies. Um, so, you know, the people who were there waiting to get in would go, oh, would, would you want Andy with the gear? And we'd go, yeah. And we'd get the tea and sandwiches out, and, of course, they'd eat them all. <laughs> um, so, no, we never gave soup out. But um, fav- my favourite soup, uh, I don't know, I'd rather have a cup of tea, mate. What about American punk rock? Like, you helped out a few American punk rock bands, like Millions of Dead Cops. What do you think about helping out bands like Honeybane or The Cravats? Well, you know, they're, again, they're worthwhile people, you know. Uh, you know, and, uh, you, know you, you, you know instantly you meet someone, whether they're worth it or not, and, um, and The Cravats and Honeybane were worth it. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, we helped them. You know, uh, like-minded people. Um, it was the time. You know, that's that's the way we did it then. Um, it's so different now. You know, um, we weren't into signing contracts or anything like that. It's just like, look, do you want to do a record? Yeah, all right then. Okay, then we'll be we'll bang in the money once once you've um, paid back what it costs. All the rest goes to you, mate. That's the way we did it. Simple, easy. What that's about what everyone should? Do. What about millions of dead cops? MDC. Do you remember them at all? What do you remember about MDC? <laughs> what a racket! Christ Almighty! But what a lovely bunch of blokes! Yeah, I mean, I remember them. Yeah, yeah, I've got a fog memory, and also Crucifix, really great, you know. And the funny thing um, that I've been to, I've been to there's a, um, a punk rock festival that goes on in England every year um, called Bellion in Blackpool, and uh, millions of dead cops always play there, and uh, and I've never had a chance to bump into them. Well, this time I'm going to be there for the full four days, I think. Um, so hopefully this time I'll bump into them and, um, you know, catch on up, catch up on old times, but great. You know, I mean, um, we didn't, we didn't know much, you know, we didn't know much about the American scene or anything like that, but again, they were a worthwhile bunch of people that we could give a helping hand to, you know, and, and, and that's what we did. You know, we're just mates. Steve of Crass, I was always fascinated how Andy of Crass played guitar. How did Andy play guitar? <laughs> he couldn't play guitar, and uh, in the in the um, how long we've been together? Five years, seven years. Um, w- what we used to do was tune his guitar to an open chord. I think it was D. He used to tune it to an open D, and uh, and he used to put his hand rather than put it underneath with a thumb at the back of the neck. He'd just put his he'd put his fingers over the top of it. So it basically you you, you just use your fingers as moving up and down the frets. Um, so it's just an open chord, and all he used to do was scrub it. So, and um, yeah, fair play to the bloke. He never learned to play a proper chord in his life. He still can't. I spoke to him the other day. He still can't play guitar. What happened when <laughs> you went into the studio? Like when you actually went into the studio? What? How did people react? Uh, well, John, you, you know, we used to work with John Lowe, you know, so he knew what he was in for. Um, and uh, yeah, it was okay. We just went in there, but it got the job done. I mean, as a, you know, as I said before. Uh, time is money. We didn't have a lot of it, um, and, you know, believe it or not. Um, and we just got, you know, hunkered in and got on with the job. You know, I mean, I used to hate going to the studio, um, you know, because I was sitting around for ages listening to endless sort of... And plus it wasn't um, it wasn't digital. It was um, analogue, so it was like these big tapes. So every so often you'd have to rewind it, you know, and, and, um, and then sort of um, slice it and sell the tape it together. Um, oh, it was a nightmare. 
Steve Ignorant of Kratz, I wanted to run down a whole bunch of bands. Some are from Dagenham, and some are just from England in general. And I was curious if you remember, if any of these bands kind of bring back any memories. I know you probably know them, but I was just curious about these bands. The Wasted, The Ejected, or Sandy Shaw from Dagenham. Oh, Sandy Shaw, yeah, of course. Did she have any interactions with Crass at all? No, no, of course not. No, she was um, no, she was around years before we were around. Um, but no, I'm just, you know. Um, Did the local papers ever take an interest in you being from Dagenham? You know, you being the local guy, and they want to write about you. You know, they wrote about Sandy Shaw in the '60s, you in the '70s or '80s or '90s or now. Like, did the was there any local support for you personally? No, unfortunately it wasn't. But, uh, you know, I remember going back to visit my mum and dad like whole years ago and uh, went in the old pub that I used to go to and there was this brick wall sort of opposite and I walked out of the pub one day and there was crass spray painted. Some of the spray painted crass weren't me. Um, if you go on the internet, I mean, I did it a few years ago, uh, most famous people from Dagenham. Um, yeah, Sandy Shaw, Peter Cook, Terry Venables, um, blah, 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 someone else, da, da, da. Um, oh, Stacey Solomon, uh, but no Steve Ignorant. You know, it's not, I've, I've not been recognised, but one day I shall change that. What about these general punk bands from England? The Suburban Studs, Coxsparer, The Lurkers, Protex, 999, The Rejects, The Vibrators. Did you have any interaction with any of those bands at all? No, uh, as I say, you know, Crash, we were doing our thing and we were so busy, you know, um, and we weren't, um, you know, we were off doing different things. Uh, but all of those bands, you know, I'd, I'd go and see them. I, you know, I saw Sham uh, down in um, Roxy. Um, the Vibrators, I bumped into um, the bloke who used to play guitar. He's, he's got a studio down in South London now. Um and funny enough, the, um, the Vibrators played at Dagenham and Redbridge Football Club, uh, you know, as, as a band, a reunion thing. Um, no, I bumped into these people. I used to go and see them, you know, uh, 999. Um, I bumped into them with their bass player. You know, we talked to each other. It's, you know, it's great. It, 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 you know, we talked about something that was happening sort of 30 years ago. Do you know what I mean? And we were all doing our own thing. We didn't have time. It wasn't. And I don't think any of us, that, look, there wasn't a pub we all went to where all the bands went. Um, I mean, maybe there was pubs like that, but I certainly wasn't interested. Um, so, you know, um, you know, I, I used to go to their gigs, but, you know, I was never one to go, oh, can I have your autograph and all that sort of thing. It wasn't like that. It was just like, all right, mate, how you doing? You know. And you are Steve Ignorant, winding up here, playing in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, hopefully in the future. You're playing hopefully in the future in Vancouver, but I guess nowadays, <coughs> July the 20th, well, my God, that's next week, next week. Oh, I know. Next week, you're playing 77 in Montreal. Uh, what's going to be happening exactly when you play in Montreal? What are you going to be doing? Some anarchy classics? Anarcho classics? Well, uh, I'm going to be doing uh, some of my favourite songs that I wrote, uh, and uh, there's going to be some favourites in there. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, don't stand too close near the front, because, um, you know, when I get excited, I tend to spray uh, saliva out of my mouth, um, and I can get a bit sort of um, lippy. Um, but, no, it's going to be great. Do come along, you know. But, um, and if you want to come and say hello to me, I'll be, I'll be the bloke at the bar. Speaking well, of punk rock and saliva... 
during the early era of punk rock, there was a lot of spinning. Did you get some colds from punk rock? Did punk rock cause Steve from Crass to get a cold? Yeah, I actually ended up with uh, tuberculosis. Ba-boom. Really? Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, seriously. That is um, kind of scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, don't spit on people because it's not, it's not a good thing to do. Did, did somebody say they had TB and then spat on you, or how did that happen? How- no, no. What happened was that I, um, I mean, when I, you know, I'd go in the studio and record or we'd do gigs, and, um, you know, you always had colds because you're using microphones that other people have used. Uh, so you're going to pick up germs from that. Um, so to any vocalists out there, buy your own microphone. It's worth it. Um, and wash it after every gig. Um, but you'd pick up, you know, and I'd cough, and you know, sometimes there'd be blood on on the on the tissue. Um, and in the end, I went to the doctors, and he, he said, "Yeah, you got TB." And uh, yeah, so that was six months of um, medication. And the worst thing was that I couldn't drink alcohol. It was oh, that, a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. And yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, and that's again, Steve. So for punk rock, you did that for punk rock. Like people should come and check you out on July the twenty seventh in Montreal because you dedicated your life uh, 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 and t- tuberculosis to punk rock. You overcame yeah, that. But, yeah, yeah. But um, look, if you come along, don't, please don't spit on me. <laughs> Feel free to tweet. Actually, winding up here with Steve, ignorant of crass and paranoid visions. At Nardwar2, you can tweet if you're listening live, at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, at Nardwar, and I can relay your question to Steve, or you can phone in live at 604-822-247, 604-UBC-CITR, or UBC-CITR-604 to talk to Steve, ignorant of Christ. And Steve, you also spoke recently, or a couple years ago, at the Melbourne Anarchist Club? Yeah, yeah. What was that like? An anarchist club? That's kind of strange, isn't it? To have a club of anarchists in an actual club. Well, no. What it was that um, they had this uh, building that they'd uh, that they'd got um, cheap, uh, and they'd turn it into a sort of library. Uh, you could go there, and you know, and they'd sort of got a kitchen there and everything. You could go there and just talk to people. Um, I remember being very, very jet lagged. Um, you know, and uh, did this interview, and it was great. You know, everyone turned out, uh, everyone turned up to sort of listen, and and um, it was really nice. There was no hero worship or anything like that. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't strange at all. You know, it's um, it was that you call it an anarchist club. I mean, you know, you can go into the ins and outs of the word anarchism, and you know, oh, you know, should you do this? Should shouldn't you? They had it absolutely right, you know. And what a lovely, what a lovely evening it was. I mean, bless them, they'd got some tea in, you know, proper English tea, especially for you know Steve, um, which I didn't drink because I was drinking beer. But um, other people took advantage of it. Um, but no, it was lovely, you know. It was um, it was fantastic. Speaking of hero worship, you have the same drummer that played for Morrissey, Spike? Oh, yeah, yeah, that time, yeah, yeah, Spike E. Smith, yeah. Hey, Steve! Yeah, 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 lovely bloke. Yeah, he's um, playing with Conflict now, I think. What was it like having Morrissey's drummer? Has Morrissey interacted with you at all? No, uh, no, I sort of... um, Morrissey's a weird bloke, you know, he's sort of... um, I think he lives in Los Angeles now, you know. He's been saying some very strange things recently. Um, but I've always, you know, um, 
the bloke is a really, really good lyricist. You know, um, if you read his lyrics, they they are fantastic. Um, but you know, the bloke should just be careful of what he's saying. That's all. Steve Ignorant of Crass, I was curious about Bjork's band. Her first band was on Crass Records in like 84. Kukul, do you remember that at all? Bjork's first band on Crass Records. I certainly do, yeah, yeah, I certainly do. Yeah, Kirk, it's, uh, you said Kirk. Oh, yeah, Kirk. And, uh, yeah, Kirk. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, difficult to say, it's Icelandic. Uh, I think it means, now, Einar, who was the trumpet player, and the other vocalist, um, he explained to me that Kirk actually means uh, magic in Icelandic or something like that. Uh, and Björk uh, was this beautiful, absolutely beautiful 15-year-old, um, which sounds really weird, but I mean beautiful is in a work, as in a work of art. Uh, and what a vocal range she had! I mean, just this amazing sounds coming out this little this little little woman, you know, uh, fantastic. Um, then they became the Sugar Cubes, um, and uh, I saw them, you know, saw them as well. I'm still friends with Einar. I saw him a couple of years ago. Uh, in fact, last year, uh, his son is now in a band. And I can't remember what the bloody band is called. Um, but Buick's gone on, you know, and I dare say one day we'll pass in the street and have a cup of tea together and go, hello, how are you doing? How's things and all that sort of stuff. Did you see them back then? Did you see Bjork's band? Yeah, of course. Yeah, blimey. Yeah, uh, blimey. I mean, look, yeah, she was fantastic. I mean, you can't, you know, um, I mean, I, I think, you know. There's how would you describe people... them to people listening? How would you describe the band? What, Sugar Cubes or Kirk? Uh, well, Cook, Kirk, let's see them live. Kirk. Yeah. Um, um, it was an experience. Um, you, you know, it wasn't, um, you can't say um, it was punk rock, but uh, the minute she opened her mouth and started singing, you were captivated um, and you were riveted to the spot. Where did, it, where did you see them play? Where did they play? The first time I saw them play was in Iceland. Oh, what year was that? 1980, 1985, 1986, uh, there was a peace um, rally they were doing in, in uh, Iceland. Crats were invited to go over and play. Um, hang on, so it must have been earlier than that. So it was 1983, because Andy Palmer was still in the band. Because there's a photograph of me and Andy sitting backstage. Now I'm 60 years old, you know, the memory starts to go a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we played this big sort of festival thing there, uh, and uh, Kirk played, uh, and Crest played afterwards, and that's the first time we performed. Oh God, uh, yes sir, I will in its entirety. Penny Rambo couldn't do it; he got an ear infection, so we had to get a drummer from, we had to get Martin from Flux Pink Indians to do drumming for us. Um, but uh, you know, I remember watching Bjork again, you know, and. and um, Absolutely inspiring, awe-inspiring, fantastic, fantastic woman. Crass Records had so many cool records, like Captain Sensible. Captain Sensible was on Crass Records. This is your captain yeah. speaking. How did that happen? Yeah. Um, I think he just phoned up. Um, I can't remember. How, I, do you know what? I can't remember how it happened, but he, he phoned up, um, came over. And um, he didn't. He only had a couple of choruses, and I think Penny Rambo ended up writing a lot of the of the of the um, lyrics for him. Um, but yeah, we, you know, 
started working together um, again, you know, I bump into him now and again and we, we have a nice little talk and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, just, sort of, you know, he came over, had a cup of tea, came to the Dole House, you know, where Crash used to live. What about Chumbawamba? Oh, now the Chumbas. Oh, man, we never react, never actually met them. Um, Crash were doing Crash, Chumbas were doing Chumbas. And, uh, and I, I, when I bump into them, you know, and... Uh, but it's, weren't it's, they weren't they on the bullshit detector comps like one of the punkest comps ever? They were on young, it. Yeah, yeah, they they was on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we didn't we didn't know who they were, you know. But um, they became you know they became Chumbawamba. I get knocked down and all that sort of stuff. Um, but they've done other stuff apart from that, um, you know. And they're still going on to do things, you know, um, as separate members, you know. And I bump into you know I bump into them now and again and. But it it wasn't like um, oh well you know I'm working with Chumbawambas oh wow I'm working with with um, uh, um, Sensible. wow I'm working with Bjork it was just we were just people sort of doing stuff you know um, doing uh, sim- singly minded stuff um, we were doing what we were doing uh, you know and as I say you know the Chumbas were doing what they were doing and uh, like conflict you know they had a different slightly different audience to what Crash did. Um, and likely exploited as well, you know. So it was, you know, we were just doing what we were doing. What about those compilations? You know, bullshit detector, the, the compilation bullshit detector. What do you remember about those comps? Because people would like mail in their tapes, and you would put it out. Incredible! They're so like Penny has said, those punk comps are like the punkest comps of all time. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, we we just have um, you know black bin liners full of of cassette tapes, and what we used to do was was um, the famous um, ten second listen, you know. So you put a cassette in, and uh, and if it if it, you know you'd, you'd count to ten, if it didn't move you, no, move on, and then you'd have definitely no's, maybe's, and yeses, and and that's why we used to do it. I mean, it's a bit bit brutal, you know, but, but because we we had thousands and thousands of cassette tapes you know um you know if we'd had the money and the, and the time we'd have put them all on you know but that's where uh, people like andy t you know 10 um jazz on a summer's day or whatever it's called you know um comes from you know and out of that come these bands like chambers and, and andy t you know become poets and and songwriters in their own right um fantastic you know i just wish you know people you know if i had the money i'd do it again tomorrow you know but um I just haven't got the money, mate. But next week, Steve Ignorant of Crass Paranoid Visions, you'll be playing Montreal, Canada, right? Next Friday, next Friday, in one week, 77 Montreal. Yeah, I know. Don't remind me, mate. I've got to go through the bloody um, airport thing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. but once I'm there, I'll be all right. I'm looking forward to it. And lastly, to end the interview, I thought I'd play a bunch of tracks relating to you and also of you. What can you say about these tracks that I'm going to play? Band from the Roxy, I Ain't Thick, It's Just a Trick, and Where's the Next Columbus? Where's the Next Columbus? Right, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Where next Columbus? I don't, I don't know. Um, it's probably in uh, Vancouver. Uh Probably, uh, uh, I think we're discovered by Captain Vancouver. Yeah, Captain Vancouver discovered yeah, us. Yeah, it could be. Could be, yeah. I have that old Tintin. And also, I'm going to play, if the time allows, Alternative Change It, UK, det- UK det- 
DK hit parade, lack of knowledge. And yes, and yes, sir, I will. What can you say about UK DK hit parade, lack of knowledge? Well, uh, UK DK, great band from Northampton. Um, They were doing their own little quiet thing uh, back then. uh, Hit parade. Uh, yeah, um, Dave from Belfast, right in the middle of the um, Irish Troubles um, against England. And uh, what was the other one? We are also pl- lack, lack of knowledge. Oh, lack of knowledge. Oh, yeah, Tony Barber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came from a place called Ponder's End, North London. Yeah, yeah. Great band. Yeah. Um, wrote about the situation he was in, living in the High Rise um, Project. I think you call it over there, um, high-rise block of flats, and um, wrote about what he saw around him. Uh, and I still see him. Um, he, I think Tony Barber actually is now a guitar tech for um, um, Public Image. We're also going to play Alternative. Oh, the Alternative from Scotland. Great bunch, Rodney Relax. My heart goes out to you. So we are going to end with Band from the Roxy, then we're going to hear I Ain't Thick, It's Just a Trick by Crass. Then some more Crass, Where the Next Columbus. Then Alternative. Then UKDK. Then Hit Parade. Then Lack of Knowledge. And if time will allow, Crass. Yes, sir, I will. Part four. Part four. Well, I, I, you know, I don't suppose you've got any Burt Bacharach in there, have you? Uh, no, actually. But on your shelf, you. Uh, I will let you get back to your shelf because I think there's a big time. T- well, maybe you should sleep to get ready for 77 Montreal now. <laughs> yeah. it, it, thank you for staying up. Anything you want to add to the people out there at all about Steve Ignorant? Why should people care about Steve Ignorant and Kratz? Why should people care? Oh, because he's a lovely bloke and, you know, um, he'll give you the shirt off his back and, um, you know... He's that, he's that sad old man at the corner of the bar at, uh, you know, Vancouver 77. And um, if you want to come up and say hello and buy him a beer, do feel free. Yes, on July the 27th, next week in Montreal, not Vancouver, you are playing 77 yeah, Montreal. Montreal. 77. That's it, yeah, Montreal. And hopefully someday you will play Vancouver, Canada. Oh, we do have a call. Actually, let's try right now. Hello, caller. Are you there? I'm here, yeah. Um, can you hear Steve? Hello. No, I can't. Yeah, yeah, I can hear him. Uh, go ahead, yeah. go ahead, caller to Steve of Crass. <laughs> and uh, if you could, if you could speak a bit louder, caller into your microphone. Sure. Well, you call it a microphone. I call it a phone. Baboon. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, uh, Steve. Wow, it's amazing to speak with somebody from Crass. And I, my yeah. question was, you've probably been asked everything, but I was curious, Rudimentary Peni, they were on uh, Crash's record label, and did you ever play with Nick Blinko, or did you ever play with uh, Rudimentary Peni? Yeah, I was um, Yeah, I was in a band called uh, Schwarzenegger, and um, Conflict put on a gig down in oh, South London, and uh, old Nick Blinko, and um, actually Rudimentary Peni reformed um, and I really didn't want to do it. Um, one of them was, uh, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to talk out of term, uh, but one of them was really sort of manic depressive. They weren't very happy about it, um, but they, they did one gig um, and it brought the house down. I mean, absolutely fantastic band. Absolutely fantastic. You know, you know yourself, you know, from the artwork um, that right. they did, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Crass is so iconic for their artwork and then so is Rudimentary Peanut that both so different in the way they appear. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. As well. And caller, 
You also like the Flux of Pink's Indians, don't you, Caller? I do. I love uh, Flux of Pink Indians. Uh, yeah, they have a they have a a very beautiful sound to them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you as well. Like, did um, did Steve ever see the band Part One play, or have any run-ins with them? No, I no, I haven't. No, Part One. Part One. They were uh, Nick Blinko again. He. He, I think, sort of produced them, and he, um, he did their album artwork in that. And there's you know, an English band. I just thought maybe you might have seen them. Oh no, no, I haven't. No, no. But I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, I'll get them. I'll check them out then. No, I, no, I didn't know that at all. I didn't know that. Oh, great. Uh, um, any other questions at all, caller, for Steve Ignorant of Crass? My last question would be: Did Crass ever play with DOA? Did Crass play in New York with DOA, the Vancouver band? No, not. No, not as, no, not as far as I know. We did we did play with um Charles um what's it James Charleston Contortions, um but that's about it. <laughs> well, actually, are there any Canadian connections to Crass? Did any Canadians ever stay on the lawn of Dollhouse? Are there any Canadian connections to Crass? That's curious. Um, it, oh, it's so long ago. Not that I can not that I can remember. Not that, probably bound to have been. Well, thank you for phoning in, caller, and do-do-loo-do. do Thank you. Thank you also, Steve, for the Skype. I appreciate that. And people can check you out next Friday in Montreal. Yeah, playing live. I, I sh- yeah, I should be there. So right now we are going to play Crass Band at the Roxy. Thank you very much, Steve. Keep on rocking in the free world. And do do loot do. I'll catch you later, mate. You uh, take it easy. Almost, it easy, almost, Steve. Do do loot do. Do loot do. Uh, oh, we we have another caller. Uh, sorry, uh, I'm 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 really getting. Um, I hope it's call, uh, caller. Are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, you caller. Oh yes, well, oh, Okay, this, this caller. I got up early for this one, sir. And I made sure to set my alarm because you have a very important guest. And I just have one question for the guest. What about the Crass Ranch? Now tell me, is it a real, is it a real ranch? Was it really like chickens and farm stuff and whale health machinery and stuff? It was like real ranch, like ranch hands and I don't know, a lot of leather? You know? I guess uh, the caller was well, wondering about the Dow House, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh no! Or, uh, the, or no! It was, well, it's, it was the Crafts Ranch. It was. It, it, that's such a place. Really well, exists. yeah, actually, Steve, the caller calls it a ranch. Was it a ranch? The Crafts Ranch. No, yeah. It, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a ranch or a ranch, as you call it. Um, oh, no, it was a. It was a small cottage. Uh, it is because it's still there. It's a small cottage uh, built in the fifteenth century next to a farm. Um, it's got enough land to have a garden, um, and uh, you know we used to grow own vegetables. We were sort of half self-sufficient. Um, obviously, with 15 people living there, you know, you, you need sort of 15 acres or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still going. Um, no locks on the doors and all that sort of stuff. It, you, yeah, but, uh, back to the land. A uh, caller, carry get, on caller. Did you ever get worried about being called hippies just for such a, an attempt to be so? So next to nature and such, and such a such a good heart. Did you ever get you know with like the summer of hate, the summer of love? Did you ever feel that wow, we're really treading to uh, 
those long-haired bastards we just got fucking aware of, you know. That's all. Yeah, yeah, I know what no, you mean, but you know, um, you know, people, people used to call us uh, the 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 music press used to call us middle class hippies, um, and I certainly was never a middle class hippie. Um, all we were doing was living in the same house and and trying to survive as as best we could, you know. And and it cut down, you know, to grow your own vegetables, you know, um, it cuts down the the, the bills. Uh, and that's what we try to do. But you know, um, obviously, if you're someone living in a in a in, a, in the middle of a city. You, you can't do it, you know. Um, so it was seen as, um, you know, um, oddballs, you know, even by the punk rock movement. Um, but now a lot of people have got their own allotments and all that kind of thing. But um, to go to your original question, caller, which sounds a bit... What's your name, mate? I, it's, I can't call you caller. Oh, no. I'm, you really want to know my name? My name is John yeah. Saloni McGeechan. John McGeechan. McGeechan. Okay, well, well, yeah. Well, John, you know, I'll call you John, mate. Um that's you know that's all we were trying to do was you know do our own bloody thing you know and and now you know as, uh, maybe you know but that's what lots of people want to do now is get is grow their own vegetables and all that kind of thing you know and oh, that's all we did. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you also wrote great music though. Don't 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 you know that's what got you guys there and just the fact that you guys produce good carrots or beets or tomatoes, you know, is beside the point though. You guys have some good records that. Uh, Sure enough, uh, I was listening to you recently, and you know what? I, I, I would love to, you know, we just had, we just had GBH in the subhumans here in Vancouver, and uh, right. I would love to see you guys and and the Verukers come through again, or that'd be swell. And uh, I'll bring my own vegetables for you guys to, to enjoy. But uh, I would love to see you guys play live. And uh, I'm wondering what is the possibility of that ever happening here, like a Canadian. But I'll tell you tour. what. I'll tell you what, maybe next year or the year after, and I'll tell you what, you're you're going to bring me some vegetables. That's a date. I said, and you know what? There'll be avocados fre- flown in fresh from out from California. How about that? Get the fuck out of it! All right, that, that's that's definitely <laughs> and a, a date. Pint, right, and then. a pint of our finest. Now you're right. talking. Now you're talking my language. Um, and John, you... a tomahawk burger, a tomahawk burger from for Nardwa. Okay. Whoa! Get Whoa! With egg on top. Yes. Yes. Right. Hey, you have a good one, man. Well, thank you, that. thank you, caller, and do do loot do. Oh, dude, dude, thank you. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate you Skyping into the Nardwar show. Again, check Steve of Crass and Paranoid Visions out next Friday in Montreal. You're playing 77 Montreal next Friday, July the 27th. So keep on rocking in the free world, Steve. And as I said before, do, do, loot, do. Do, 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 loot, do. Ooh. Almost! <laughs> you almost got it! Do, do, loot, do! Ooh, ooh. Yeah! Thanks so much, Steve. Really appreciate it. Right, catch you later, bro. Okay, see ya. Bye. Ta-ra. Against what I feel is wrong with this 
you, I'm the Jew.